Welcome to Abby and the Mustangs. This podcast connects Mustang lovers everywhere and sparks conversations in an effort to promote the adoptions of American Mustangs. I'm your host, Abby Condi. everybody so I'm really excited for today's interview because for the first time ever we are having a burrow trainer by the name of Cynthia Fisher uh, from Oregon she's going to be on the call with us today and just talking about burrows their training what she does and I hope that I will learn something today and I hope that all of you guys learn something today as well so without further ado here's Cynthia Fisher Okay, so Cynthia, thank you so much for coming on this episode again. I'm really excited because we have not had a borough trainer or a borough person come on the podcast before, Um, and I want it to be all-inclusive because I feel like the boroughs are kind of like not as big in the spotlight as the Mustangs are, Um, but I want to be all-inclusive, definitely. So if you could just like give us the rundown of when you first started training boroughs and like where did your interest in them begin because... I know from my own experience, I was not immediately turned on to burrows the first time ever I ever glanced at them. Um, but where did where did you start? So my mom, um, growing up, my mom has always done the Mustangs, mm-hmm. and my dad, when he was a kid, he used to own a donkey, and him and this donkey would go hunting. Um, and he, the donkey would pack out all the meat. They were best friends. Him and the donkey would sneak Snickers from their dad and go and hide behind a tree. Um, and it was grandpa's favorite animal too. And when he died, um, dad always wanted a donkey, uh, but never knew really how to get one. So when I was maybe, I don't even know how old I was. I think I was like maybe 13. Maybe I was younger, but mom and dad went and got two BLM burrows. Now, we're used to training horses, and we figured that a burrow would be similar to a horse. So, mom and dad tried training these burrows like you would a horse. Well, mm-hmm. a little secret about burrows, burrows, you have to ask them to do something, and it has to be their own idea. <laughs> and if it's not their idea, that burrow ain't going anywhere. You better just sit down with a cup of coffee and wait for that burrow to either acknowledge that, yes, I'll do it, or it's just not going to happen that day. <laughs> so um, so we had those two, and mom and dad just kind of were like, you know, we just don't think we're burrow folk. So we ended up um, giving the burrows to another home. And then when the tip program started, mm-hmm. um, we had a few trainers that uh, storefronts. Um, Jasmine Leacher is one. She's in um, Steel Rock, Oregon. And she was always asking my mom and I, because my mom and I are both tip trainers together, she was always asking us, you know, you guys should try some burrows. Mom was like, no, we tried burrows in the past. Like, they're not our thing, because you're either a burrow person or you're not. Like, it's right. there's no in between. So, finally, she was like, yes. And I was like, okay. I was like, I'll do it with you, Mom. I was like, we'll do this together. We'll be a little <laughs> duo team. Well, we got the burrows in, and I was like, okay. I was like, I'm going to figure out the mindset of these burrows. Like, I'm going to do it. Like, 
there's not a I'm gonna fail like I'm gonna figure out their mindset and I'm gonna figure out the technique that you have to use to train these burrows right so two years ago is it two years now I think two years ago maybe three I want to say two so two years ago we finally um started with the burrows and since that first group of burrows I have never turned back and I have now done over a hundred of them wow now I specialize in burrows and burrows are my specialty and I actually am trying to stay away from doing the mustangs and just stick with burrows because there's not a lot of burrow trainers yeah absolutely horse trainers Mm -hmm. but there's no burrow trainers at all and especially in my area since there's no one out there, I want to be that person. Yeah, absolutely. Way to corner the market on it, <laughs> for sure. And you're good at it. So it's not like, you know... It took a lot of trial and error, let me tell you. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And I bet it was a lot of frustrating times as well because, you know, Burroughs, everybody thinks that they're stubborn or they just don't want to do it. And it's like, okay, I can see where you think that they're stubborn because they don't want to do something, but you have to realize that those Burroughs are probably smarter than you are, you know, um, <laughs> and they'll they are, outperform. And the, yeah. Yeah, and that's a big myth about the burrows. Burrows honestly are not stubborn. They honestly are not. Yeah. You have to figure out how to communicate mm-hmm. with a burrow. A burrow is a whole new ball game compared to a horse. Right. You have to enter that mindset and you have to you have to communicate with them. If they do not like the way that you are communicating with them, that is where they come off as stubborn because you have not earned it from them. Right. Very cool. So are you, do you think that burrows aside from, or in in comparison with horses, do you think that horses are easier or burrows are easier to train? Once you say you have both techniques, you know the mindset of both animals, which would you say would be easier? So I get that question a lot. Mm -hmm. And the way that I answer it is compared to my Mustangs and burrows, my Mustangs take longer to be gentle but they're a lot easier to train. Mm-hmm. My burrows are easier to gentle, but they take longer and more in-depth training to train. Yeah. That does make sense. And I did see you had a really cool video um, of you used one of your other burrows. I think it was your burrow Moonshine John or Jack. Um, and didn't he like block you from a burrow that you were attempting to gentle and she was a little, um, I don't want to say aggressive, but reactive. Um, and he was like blocking. Well, I thought that was really cool. And I was really hoping you could explain kind of what your process was um, with that training method, because I thought that's super creative creative and really unique yeah of course so it is moonshine john and he is my most loyal and trusted burrow who i have here mm-hmm. um and the what i like about having burrows that are already domestic is the way that burrows bond they bond to you really hard and a lot harder than a mustang mm-hmm. so with me and moonshine i can I can know what my what Moonshine is thinking without even looking at it. I can feel his energy. He can feel my energy. I can feel his mind. He can feel my mind. We can read each other without even talking to each other. Right. So what? why I use him, and I even use my other bro, Whiskey Jack, too, but he's kind of a teenager, so his patience isn't quite there yet, where Moonshine's is, <laughs> excuse me, is. Um, I take him in the pen, and basically I just stand there, um, 
with me on the off side of the burrow. So I always have my gentle burrow between the wild burrow and me. Mm -hmm. So what that does, that gives that wild burrow a comfort um, of seeing another burrow by a human to where they're not feeling so afraid um, and so threatened. Okay. okay. Because mm-hmm. us humans, we are predators to them, so so they feel they feel threatened. And when I have one, like the video that you're talking about, um, she was uh, just a three-year-old Jenny, but she was very defensive. She wasn't necessarily mean. She was just very defensive. So anytime I go in her stall, her instant reaction was to, I'm uncomfortable, so I'm going to try to kick you. And if not kick you, I'm going to try and charge and bite you. And that was just her defense mode, which is completely okay. Because, again, they're wild animals. You can't expect them to just be like, okay, like, let's be, you know, I'll be domestic for you. So what I did is Moonshine, because he's so attached to me more than he is any other burrow, anytime that burrow wanted to swing that her butt to me or try and bite me, he actually would shove his body into her and slam her, not necessarily slam her, but push her into the panel or the wall and then he would hold it mm-hmm. and as he held it i was able to actually start loving and petting on her and then i could release that pressure that i would tell moonshine to release then he would release and in the video you also saw that anytime she tried circle circling he would just circle with her mm-hmm. and eventually with him doing that she calmed down pretty well and we were able to pat her and her muscles weren't so tense and she wasn't trying to kick me and she did great and then by the next day i could go in there without moonshine and um start working on leaning petting and by day four we had the farrier come out trim her feet and now she's all down with the requirements so um so yeah so that's why i like using uh my burrows uh my gentle burrows with them it just it helps it keeps me safe um, it helps them. It also helps them imprint on something that is already domestic. That's their own species. Right. So with horses, I don't really deal with horses because so it's harder. Horses, I can get into their mind by moving their feet. Where burrows, that doesn't, you don't do that. Right, yeah. <laughs> burrows is more, yeah, burrows is more <laughs> in, of, of the mind. Yeah. So I was wondering, because thinking about, you know, um, domestic burrows versus burrows that come straight in from the wild, uh, well, I guess you would call domestic donkeys. Is there a difference between, say, a donkey that was born in captivity and then a burrow that you, you know, bring in from BLM? Is there a difference behavior-wise or, you know, I mean, it's almost like Mustang versus domesticated horse, but I'm just curious what it would be for um, donkeys. Correct. So I do get in lots of rescue do- um, domestic donkeys. So I do both domestic donkeys and wild wild donkeys. Mm-hmm. And I would say the difference is um, the domestics, in my experience, some other people might have a different opinion, but in my experience, the domestics, um, they don't, they bond with you good, but I feel the bur- the wild burrows bond with their person and are more attached to that said person where domestic burrows are just kind of anybody come love me any you know i'm, I'm right with anybody yeah um and with domestic burrows um i found that their feet aren't as hardy mm-hmm. as the wild burrows and it's kind of same thing like with the horses like my domestic horses always had bad feet where my mustangs had rock salt feet right same thing with the burrows i felt like my burrows their just overall health 
and structure I felt was more hardy than a domestic one. Um, and again, that's just my opinion because of what my experiences have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love both. I love all long ears. Long ears are awesome. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely wanted to ask as well if you were familiar with the actual history of um, wild burrows or burrows out on the Western Rangeland, because I'm very familiar with the um, Mustangs history, but I I did a little bit of research on burrows out on the Western Rangeland, and for some reason I really couldn't find anything um, that was really helpful. So I was hoping you would be a good resource that you might know a little bit more than I do, and maybe you could share with um, the listeners. Yeah, so when it comes to burrow history or any burrow information in general, Mm -hmm. there really is, like, isn't really anything. Like, any books, anything on the web, there's not much. Uh, But a little bit of the burrow history and the stuff that I know is the burrows were brought in by the Spanish um, in the late 1500s from Africa. And they were used a lot for the packing and mining because they were small and compact, so they could fit more in their pack lines they could fit more on their ships they could fit more in their mining areas and they lasted longer than horses right so and then they were um introduced to the southwest desert area hmm. so then a pro- there's approximately about sixteen thousand burrows um on our lands today probably a little more but the last count was about sixteen thousand. and there's about let's see 10 20 there's about 35 different borough HMAs um, from Utah, Oregon, Nevada, California, and Arizona. Wow. Yeah. And I think I have, there is a borough, um, I guess, herd management area here where I live in Yuma, Arizona. It's like a little bit north of Yuma. And uh, what is it called? I think it's the Cibola Trigo um, herd management area. And there's burrows everywhere. And it's really, really sad. If you actually drive, there's a road um, that takes you north. I don't remember what road it's called, but it takes you up to another town called Lake Havasu. And up that entire road, there's just like open desert and you see the burrows and stuff. And it's really, really sad because people will hit them with the cars because there's no um, like proper fencing that kind of protects them from the road. And so um, that's, that's what I've seen here by Yuma. I'm hoping that other, you know, herd management areas are a little bit better. Um, I mean, they're not as dangerous for the hor- or the burrows to live by. Um, but do burrows and horses live in similar like HMAs? Because I have seen a few like mule BLM mules come out of nowhere, and I'm just like, what in the world? How did that happen? So yeah, so sometimes there will be burrows and horses in the same HMA area. Um, so you're in Arizona, right? So yes. in Arizona, you guys have 11 different borough HMAs. Okay. So you and California, um, you, California, and Nevada have the most. Right. Yeah, because so it's... Utah, yeah, Utah only has two and Oregon only has one HMA. Wow, that's interesting that they're all the way as far up in, in Oregon. Now, is that like a big herd? Do they gather there frequently? Because they do gather here in Arizona pretty frequent. Yeah, so um, you're, you guys and like Nevada, like what you're saying about, you know, the burrows getting hit and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys' population is 
pretty much skyrocketed. You guys have the biggest population. In Oregon, we just have the one HMA, which is in the Warm Springs HMA, not the Reservation Warm Springs, mm-hmm. but the actual BLM Warm Springs. Gotcha. Heard. And they only round up, like, they rounded up some last year, or two years ago, when they rounded up the Warm Springs. And then, I want to say the last time was, like, maybe four or five years before that. So it's not very often um, in Oregon that you see the burrows rounded up because the herd here is not big at all. Right. Yeah. It's not, the ones here are pretty, are pretty large. I mean, even from what I've seen, there's just so many of them. Um, and it was really cool. Actually, I was able to go on YouTube and look back at, you know, a few years ago at different gathers that they did of the burrows and stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's right here in my backyard. Um, it's so interesting, interesting to me that I never knew about any of this before. And then when you dive into it, it's like, oh, all these things are happening all around you. Um, but I wanted to go back and explain the tip program because I know that we do have a lot of beginner um, Mustang people that are very new to the community and aren't aren't exactly familiar with different acronyms and things like that. So what Cynthia was talking about, the TIP program, um, TIP stands for Trainer Incentive Program, and that's where trainers can um, apply to be a trainer for BLM and they get horses or burros, train them to do a number of different what are they called? Requirements. And then once the horses or burrows meet all those requirements, then they are up for adoption for $125. And then there is a monetary incentive that goes to the trainer for each animal that is placed in a home. So for horses, for the TIP program, um, I know that trainers can be awarded $1,000 per horse, but I think it's less for burrows. Am I correct on that? I don't remember exactly how much the incentive is for them. So, yes, ma'am, it is um, lower. We get 750 per borough mm-hmm. uh, versus the horses are 1000 yeah. Yeah. So if there's any aspiring burrow or horse trainers out there and you want to give a burrow a shot or a Mustang a shot, the trainer incentive program would be a really, um, I think it suits, you know, anybody who wants to just get out there and try it. Obviously, you should do your research and get the advice from another trainer if you're not completely sure because it is dangerous. You are handling a wild animal. Um, but we do need some more people out there, you know, cranking out these uh, newly domestic well they're barely broke (laughs) but um these you know animals that can be handled and stuff and um so yeah that's my little spiel about what the tip program is now back to asking you questions um there was one that I am trying to find. Oh, okay. So, um, donkeys and burros, they make really good, uh, guard animals, correct? I don't know anything about that, but I was really curious about, um, if that is like a natural thing for them to, um, guard, like how do burros know what they're guarding? I mean, if they're with a herd of sheep, how does that work? That might be a really dumb question, but I'm really just kind of curious about how that works. So definitely not a dumb question. I don't think any question is dumb. Um, so definitely a good question. So burrows, yes, they make awesome guardian, um, or livestock guardians, sorry. Um, burrows, like for instance, mine, they adjust to, um, their area and the animals that live on that area, they kind of take in, take in that that is their herd. And when they accept that that is their herd, they protect that herd. Mm-hmm. So any other animals that come in 
to the herd that is new or isn't supposed to be there, they will chase them off. For example, my mom and I live right next door. We're both tip trainers. We both have dogs. My dogs are awesome with my burrows and my burrows do great. If my mom's dogs come over here, my burrows do try to go after her dogs because they're, those dogs are not a part of our family. Gotcha. And same thing with the dogs across the street at the other neighbor's place. Those dogs don't belong here, and my burrows know that, so they go after them. Um, we have a lot of coyotes and a lot of cougars up here um, that we catch in our trail camps. And since we've had the burrows here, the coyotes and the cougars take the wide route around <laughs> our farm and no longer come onto our property. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, talk about, that's real security right there. I mean, even just to protect your livestock, livestock that's really, really cool. I've always wanted a burrow, um, but we live in a neighborhood with really close neighbors, and I feel bad already that we have really loud animals like cows and the horses, obviously, but I'm still trying to convince my dad to let me at least have one as a guard animal. Um, but they do better in pairs, right? They're more of like a companion-type animal, Um that's what I've always heard or seen on posts is that um, trainers, trainers will really encourage people to adopt two burrows at a time. So, good question. Most burrows, yes, do good in a pair. But I have had a lot that are very secure and comfortable mm-hmm. being by themselves. Moonshine, for instance, he is more of a people's burrow. Mm -hmm. He does not play with the other burrows. He does not groom the other burrows. He is always by himself. He wants to be with people. And I always have different burrows here that he can play with, and he refuses. And I've had a few burrows like that where they would prefer to be either by themselves or with people. But um, a lot, yes, do great and prefer to have a buddy. And I know there's a lot of trainers that, um, especially in the tip program, that when they adopt out burrows, they only adopt out pairs at a time. Um, I let the adopters pick. If they want to try just one, then I allow them to. If they want a pair, then I'll get them a pair. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me too, because that is almost like a a win-win as well, because that might encourage more adoptions, you know, not just one animal you're able to adopt out too. So I think that's really cool. And I think it's kind of sweet, you know, that burrows are so loving towards one another. Um, But just like anything, they all are different. So um, that's a good thing to know as well, that you know, we can't fit them into this box. I really just don't know that much about Burrow, so I am learning so much right now, and I really, really appreciate you coming on this episode, um, not just for, you know, content, but for my own personal growth and knowledge as well. So I'm really excited um, for these next questions that I have for you. So Moonshine John, you took, was he your um, Burrow for a Burrow challenge or a training challenge recently? So, Whiskey Jack, Whiskey he's Jack. a three-year-old, okay. he was my Washington Madness Makeover competition burrow, mm-hmm. and we were reserve champions. Wow. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Moonshine John and I competed in the Teens in Oregon Mustang Makeover Competition Challenge, Okay, and we were the grand champions. Oh, look at you guys. Big money. Congratulations <laughs> on that as well. Thank you. And <laughs> Whiskey Jack and I are a part of the Competitive Mustang Club. 
um, by Erica Hunter. Yes. Which, um, you did the interview. Yeah, I love her club. She has done awesome with that club. So we've been doing her virtual shows each month. In October, we just got the results in. Uh, Whiskey Jack and I were the grand champions, and my daughter also showed with Whiskey Jack, and she came in second being the reserve champion. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. You must be so proud of your daughter. Yeah, she has been awesome. Yeah, so if so, for people who are not familiar with Cynthia or her, um, you know, her training, I follow her profile. It is so amazing because her little daughter, who it looks like this tiny little petite human being, um, so cute, actually helps you in saddle training your burrows. And I mean, I've seen the videos that you have posted and stuff, and that girl is quite the hand. I think that that is really cool. So, how did she get into um, the training and how is she so brave to hop on those uh, burrows? Yeah, so my daughter, her name is Cassie Fisher. She is seven years old and she started uh, when she was three. I actually gave her her first Mustang, which is Chickahominy for her birthday. Aww. So she started with the Mustang. And then when we started doing burrows, she adopted um, Senor Carrots, who is quite famous. Everybody knows Senor Carrots. And she is one, she's not dainty by any means. Like, she can be a princess and like the makeup and stuff. But when Mm -hmm. it comes to the animals, she's a little badass. I don't know if I can say that, so sorry. No, Um, you're good. (laughs) She's a little little rock star. Um, And she just... And I don't force anything on her. Um, She enjoys coming out and watching what I do. And she just says, you know, Mom, I want to be able to help you. I want to be able to do what you do. Like, I want to be a trainer just like you. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, It's best to start when you're young. And if you want to try, let's try. And she knows the risks and the danger of working with wild animals. Mm Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, she's been bucked off and thrown and trampled many times by horses and has been bucked off by her burrow. And she just gets up and does this whole, like, I'm fine, Mom, and then gets back on. And when she gets back on, she thinks about what did I do wrong that caused my animal to react in the way that I got bucked off. Mm -hmm. So she figures out what she did wrong or what happened, and then she goes back and she fixes it, and then she pushes forward and finishes on a really good note. So since I am, my burrows, they're only like anywhere from nine to 11 hands. Every now and then I'll get one that's 12 hands. So I'm obviously too big to ride a burrow. Right. Um, They're good for small adults or kids. So Cassie actually breaks all the burrows that are here. And even client burrows that come in, even domestic donkeys, she breaks them all. And um, and she just, I mean, she does awesome. She, you know, she learns with each one. Um, burrows especially are a lot, like I said, they're a lot harder to train than horses. They require a lot more patience, a lot more in-depth training, a lot lighter hands, a lot clearer cues. So she really has to think and really has to pay attention of what she's asking these burrows to do. Because when the burrows don't, what I call donkey, which is when they shut down and like they don't move, like there's no way you're going to do anything. Mm -hmm. When they donkey on you, you have to wait for them to to undonkey. Because they're (laughs) they're just, they're they're done. They're stuck. They're done. You shut them down. The engine is off. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so she's just, like I said, just been a trooper. Um, you know, it's been trial and error with her too. You know, I can only guide her so much verbally. 
Um, and then the other stuff, she just has to figure out by herself. Um, and we, you know, we, and like you said, you know, we post a lot of videos on Facebook so everybody sees. Um, but yeah, she's doing awesome and the girls really like her. So <laughs> that's really, really remarkable. You know, at her age, she's able to handle a very um, mature job that is very emotionally taxing. And she's just, I mean, yeah, she sounds like a total trooper. And I hope you give her a high five for me because that is some real cowgirl stuff that she's doing. Um, so honestly, she's probably broke more animals to ride than I have by the, by the sound of it. Um, but I was curious, you know, talking about more um, about your training and things like that, do you utilize any forms of positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement into your training, or do you have, like, a mix of both? Good question. So I would say I have a mix of both. With burrows, it is a lot of positive reinforcement, yes. But there also is some negative reinforcement that, yes, I do use. Um, so, for instance, I use a lot of positive reinforcements by using the treats and just going off energy, feel, and just light asking on everything. But then there is some areas where I do use the negative negative reinforcement, um, like when they want to pull back um, on pressure, I keep it until they learn to um, come off that pressure to release, you know, find that, find that release. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if I need to kind of drive them forward, like, you know, Every once in a while, because um, I always teach my girls to send if they get stuck, if they get into a, a donkeyed state of mind, then I always have a backup plan on how to get my engine, the engine of the burrow, turned back on. So um, so we'll use, you know, a little, if the positive reinforcement isn't working, then we'll use a little bit of the negative reinforcement. Um, so definitely I would say both, but more positive. Okay, and do you think that it could be done to, um, you know, train a burrow without using the positive reinforcement. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people who are kind of turned off from it, and it's really unfortunate because I myself am kind of an advocate for positive reinforcement um, with the horses, but I'm just wondering if it, it, I mean, if it must be a little more difficult to try and um, gentle a burrow without the positive reinforcement, because I feel like that kind of gives them a little bit of motivation. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. So, no, definitely not wrong. So I'm going to tell everyone this now. If you only use negative reinforcement on a burrow, you are not going to get anywhere, and that burrow is never, ever going to trust you. Burrows <laughs> require positive reinforcement. You can have some negative reinforcement training in there, mm -hmm. but they do require a lot of the positive. And remember in the beginning, I was saying it was a lot of trial and error, and in the beginning, you know, when I was little, my parents had the donkeys, and they were trying to work them like horses. Absolutely. Um, and we did more negative reinforcement, mm -hmm. and it just didn't work out well. You know, those, that's that trial and error of we've tried it and it's, you know, and that mindset on a burrow, it does not work for them. It just, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, and doing, oh, and since I've done over a hundred burrows, I've kind of like did a group or like, you know, this group, I'm going to try this training, this group, I'm going to do this training. They kind of see like works out what works out the best. And the end result is a lot of positive reinforcement with the burrows. Right. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, even with, uh, it's like with the horses too, I have figured out from trial and error that some methods work for some horses and then some don't really work for others where you have some horses that are really, really food motivated, um, 
and then you have others that are really just not interested. So I was just curious if boroughs were kind of the same way, if they could go one way or go the other. So I'm, I'm glad that you could clear that up for me because that's a lot of really good information. I think that if anybody is listening to this episode and you have a burrow or a donkey and you're feeling really stuck, I think that this is a lot of really good advice to just kind of go back, take a deep breath. It might just be the way that you're approaching, you know, the situation or the language that you're trying to speak to the burrow. He could be speaking Chinese and you're speaking Russian and it's like, obviously nothing's going to get done <laughs> because nobody right. is, you know, it's two different animals. So I think that's really cool. Thank you for explaining that. Um, so that's all I really have for um, questions other than I was curious if you had your your own personal burrows or client burrows out on a pasture and how would you describe, um, I guess, the effect that they have on a piece of land? Because I did have a friend um, that mentioned that she had two burrows on eight acres and I don't remember how long she had them there, but she was just like, they are so destructive. And I was just curious if you have had the same experience where the burrows just kind of, I mean, if you don't take them off of a piece of land, if they will overgraze it, um, or what, just what your experience have, has been regarding that. So my experience actually is a complete opposite. So I have my horse pasture and I have my burrow pasture. Mm -hmm. My horses um, muddy up and break down their pasture and the vegetation at pasture a lot quicker than my burrows do. Mm -hmm. So here's a good example to kind of explain it. So the way that horses and burrows are built. So when you look at a horse's hoof, they have a pretty good angle to them, right? Right. And when the horses step, they step at an angle which digs into the ground, correct? Mm -hmm. Now, if you watch a burrow and look at a burrow's hoof, a burrow's hoof is more angled straight up and down, which is a slight, a slight little angle. And the way they walk, they almost step down kind of like a ballerina where it's kind of straight down versus down and dig. So where horses dig, burrows do not. So they don't mud up the area as quick or even at all compared to a horse. Mm -hmm. Now, grazing. Horses will graze and they'll graze and they'll eat all the way down to the root. Correct? Right. Burrows are kind of like cows. They only eat the top part and don't eat the root. So they don't damage the vegetation on the land um, like the horses do, where the horses actually kill it. Right. Burrows will just eat it down a little bit, but don't actually kill that vegetation. Interesting. That's very interesting to hear. And how would you say, I mean, I know that if I, from what I've heard, um, this is all, this is all just what I've heard because like I said, I don't have any personal, you know, burrow experience. So, you know, whatever, get that out of the way. Um, so burrows have a different, almost like nutrition to horses, right? Because you can feed a horse alfalfa all day long and they'd be okay. They might get a little fat, but they would be okay. But for a burrow, um, what isn't alfalfa like too rich for them or do they have, I know that they have a different, um, I guess, eating system. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to call that, but, um, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. You get, you get where I'm going with this. Yes, definitely get where you're going. So, yeah, so um, burrows are definitely different. So horses can have a richer diet, and they have to have special minerals, and a spe you know a lot of them have to have you know a special grain. Burrows, um, which I like about them because they're more hardy, they don't require that. They just need a good local grass hay. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you want to feed them grain, like I especially feed my show burrows grains. I want that coat to shine. Right. All they need is just a dry maintenance grain. Stay away from any grains that have molasses or a molastic 
base binding mm-hmm. because the sugars in that can actually damage um, the burrow system. Burrows do not do well with sugars. It damages a burrow, I mean, in an instant. Mm-hmm. So it is um, important to have burrows stay away from alfalfa um, and any rich hay and, gra- and grains like that. Mm-hmm. Um, pasture-wise, you have to be careful with them on pasture because they can founder easy because they are the desert animals. And in the deserts, um, you know, there's not a lot of proteins and minerals, but they do get the minerals from... Um, the soil, because over here we lack the, the minerals, but in the desert they don't. The desert has a lot of rich minerals, so the burrows do eat that. And another thing about burrows that people don't know is termite mounds. Termite mounds in the desert, when they're low on protein, they'll actually go and dig in the termite mounds and eat the termites for the extra protein. <laughs> no way. So like, yeah, so like my burrows <laughs> here at home, especially Senor Carrots, yeah. he'll go, because I have tons of ants. I mean, I'm like where I live, I live in a heavily forested area. I have mm-hmm. ants like you would not believe. It like as tall as a car. Like it's huge. Oh my and gosh. what he does is when he feels that he will want if he wants a treat, because it's a treat to him, but if he feels he's lacking something, he'll actually go to the ant hills, root down like a bear, and eat <laughs> the ant larva, because that ant larva is a very rich protein. Wow. That is that is so weird. That is so weird that they go and they eat basically worms or bugs for protein. That's some like serious bear grills uh, trying to survive out in the wild stuff. That is so funny. Um, and they do that, and that's that's all burrows. I mean, that is, you know, I mean, wild burrows, I'm guessing. Will domesticated burrows do that same thing? No, and that's another thing, like, earlier you asked me the difference between a domestic and a a wild donkey. Domestic burrows don't even know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Wild donkeys, they learn a lot more survival skills than what a domestic domestic one is, because domestic donkeys have never had to fight for survival, have never had to defend for themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Burrows have. Yeah. So, and if you, and if you ever looked at the way the burrow is structured, I want you to look at their lips. Well, anybody who has a burrow, I want you to go and look at their lips. If you imagine an ant eater, the way that their top lip and have a slight curve to it, mm-hmm. that is um, so they can root for bugs. Wow. So it's like almost like a little, um, like a little shovel built into their, like a, yeah, their lip. That's cool. Huh. That's interesting. That's really cool. Um, I have my mom, she just had to have this mule over here. And I always like to say that this mule is more donkey, um, because she's a total brat. She's a really sweet mule. I, I'm curious if, um, mules and donkeys, like what is, what do mules get from donkeys? If you have any experience with mules, because the only experience I have is the one that the freeloader I have in my barn right now (laughs) but (laughs) um but I mean she's very smart extremely smart I know that she's smart um but I just we just feed her and she's pretty much a pet at this point um but do you have any experience with mules so I don't have a lot of experience with mules the Mm -hmm. person that would be really good to answer that would actually be Jessica Bishop or Steve Shaw in Arizona oh cool they're right here in uh in my stomping ground sounds good so jessica bishop um, she's an organ or yeah or steve shaw cool 
That'd be great. I would love to call them and just ask them a few questions about, you know, this one that I have here. Because um, I would love, I would love to figure out, you know, how to train her and what to do with her. She responds really well to positive reinforcement. I can haul to her and lead her around. Um, and, you know, that's about it. I can pick up her feet. But, um, yeah, she's kind of a blank slate sitting out there, but she's really sweet. But <laughs> I figured, oh, maybe maybe you'll have some secrets you can share with me. I want to unlock more from her. But um, but anyways, I will get more. I guess I will get more meal experience um, as I further my training. Yeah, I have some meal babies on the way. My oh. two Mustangs um, are pregnant. We bred our Jack to them. That's so awesome. We have some meal babies on the way. Um, but since I am still newer with meals, I mm -hmm. don't want to give any advice. Um, <laughs> Not yet. Out of my, yeah, that is out of my, my reach. There. Right. <laughs> no, you're totally fine. Well, um, Cynthia, that's all I have for questions. Did you have anything else that you wanted to cover um, before I let you go? Or any, just any message you want to put out there to the world? Um. Definitely. I mean, if anyone is thinking about getting a burrow or thinking about trying a burrow or wanting any hands-on experience, um, I'm located in Scotts Mills, Oregon, and I do have folks um, and even kids who want hands-on experience that do come to my place and either watch or help me work with burrow so they can have that experience and then be able to take one home um definitely i mean take a chance i mean i they're a lot different than horses so get that horse mentality of training out of your head like don't like that like i said they're gonna be way different if you've never used positive reinforcement um with an animal you're gonna need it with this cookies are your best friend when it comes to donkeys <laughs> um but, I mean, they are harder to train, but once you understand that mindset, these animals are incredible. I mean, these animals, they're smarter than horses, they're more sure-footed than horses, they process more than horses, um, they wear their hearts on their sleeves, they're, like, you can see their emotions better than horses, um, they are awesome pets, I mean, mine's always coming on the deck and, like, <laughs> maybe maybe in the house once or twice but i don't post that oh my god lose it <laughs> so anywho um yeah they're basically like big puppy dogs they're super awesome but i mean if you don't know what to do with a donkey um they're awesome for packing they're awesome for driving they're great kids animals once the kids work with them mm -hmm. um, they do teach the kids a lot of patience oh i bet <laughs> they do teach you to be quiet and to just slow your roll mm -hmm. um yeah i think that's i mean they're they're awesome like just you know like i said go take a chance on them um, and once you get one, they're kind of like potato chips. Once you get one, I mean, you go get another one. <laughs> yeah, then you'll be, uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. We've, um, my friends and I here in, in Arizona, we have like this running joke and I'm sure other people have used it as well, but it's so funny. We call it Mustang math where one, one Mustang equals four Mustangs. And, <laughs> and so, oh yeah, I have four Mustangs out there when really you have like 20, you know, sitting in your backyard. Um, so that's so funny. Well, I am sold on the idea of of a burrow so hopefully my dad will hear this episode of this podcast and you will sell it to him too because I really 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 want to try um, to train a burrow and I've been doing a lot of research and watching videos and stuff and so I'm trying to get myself prepared and also convincing him um, 
So yeah, um, so for anybody listening, here is your opportunity. Uh, Cynthia has offered, you know, if anybody is interested in training or anything like that, um, definitely take her up on that if you're thinking about it. So again, thank you so, so much, Cynthia. You are totally remarkable. The things that you have accomplished with your burrows and just the knowledge that you have and the knowledge that you have given to your daughter and, you know, the things that she's doing is just so, so cool. So I will be a longtime fan uh, for as long as I can and keep up with all of your stuff. Um, So again, thank you so much for being on the episode. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. All right. Well, you have a very good night. All right. You too. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by Crossbow Equine Services. Kylie Bowen, owner, founder, and CEO of Crossbow Equine, is offering services to coach you in your equine business needs. As a trainer and equine entrepreneur herself, Kylie has the knowledge from learning through past mistakes as an early business owner and knows the equine industry from the inside out. Equine sales marketing, leveraging social media, and helping you develop your brand are just some of the things that she does best when it comes to serving you and your horses. For listeners of this podcast, Kylie is offering a free 15-minute consultation call. You can contact her by email at crossbowequinellc at aol.com. That's crossbowequinellc at aol.com with the subject line Mustang 20. To get in touch and book your free equine business consultation, email crossbowequinellc at aol.com. Thank you. And now a message from one of our sponsors. Shelby's Homemade Creations. I, Shelby, started this small business in hopes of having a fun hobby and turning my little dream of having a small business into reality. In my online store, I sell an array of soaps and are all natural, made from both glycerin and shea butter, based with essential oils added for scent and some health benefits. I do have a surprise coming this winter with a new base option. Candles are all made from all natural soy wax and the scents are all essential oils to help put a natural scent in the home without burning harsh chemicals that are in other candles. Candle melts, these are my favorites. I start with a soy wax base and add in the essential oils for scent and then dye for fun colors. These are then poured into little cartons and ready for the forever homes to be melted. I use this product daily. My wax warmer always has a new scent in it. New to the shop are bath bombs. They are all natural, started from scratch, and scented with essential oils for a nice bath time aroma. Lastly, the newest addition to the shop is lip balms made from all natural beeswax. I start with melting the beeswax and then adding some coconut oil and essential oils, then letting them dry in either a tube or a tin, then they're off for their forever homes. There is something for everyone at www.shelbyshomemadecreations.com. There's a tons of scents ranging from sweet to savory, one to fit each and every person. Now, Shelby sent me some scents and some candle melts and by far my favorite ones have to be snickerdoodle and citrus paradise so head on over to www.shelbyshomemadecreations.com and find your scent and you will be pleased thank you so much if you're interested in adopting a mustang or burrow or are looking for resources please visit blm.gov programs and select the wild horse and burrow column to learn more If you are not in the position to adopt, please share this podcast with a friend and start a conversation. If you would like to donate to our Wild Horses and Burrows, please visit mustangheritagefoundation.org slash donate. Thanks for listening.
Thank you.